0: Welcome to The Nation's Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Let's ready to read some Bible. John chapter 14. It's the words of Jesus. If you have a red edition Bible, red letter edition Bible, uh, you'll see that this will appear in red because it's the words of Jesus. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How many of you feel that's so encouraging? That Yeah, four of you, come on. So encouraging. He won't leave us as orphans, but He will come to us. We're going to jump down to the book of Galatians chapter 4. Paul writes this. He begins to expand on the thought of what Jesus introduced in the Gospels in John 14. It says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption. Say adoption. To sonship. Say sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit, capital S, who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Say God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. Say heir. Formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Great question. Tonight I wanna speak to you on the thought sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. Turn to your neighbour. If they're a female, say you're a daughter. If they're a male, say you're a son. All right, let's get in to the Word of God tonight. To set up what I'm sensing the Lord is trying to say tonight, I want to get your hearts and minds thinking about who you are. I want you to think a little bit about who you are. I'm not talking about, you know, where you live or what your name is or what you look like in the mirror. I want you to think about who you are on the inside. I'm talking about the revelation, the deep revelation on knowing who you are because there's implications in knowing who you are. There's implications for why you do what you do sometimes. Why you say some of the stuff you say sometimes. Why you react and you respond in the way that you react and respond in the way that you do sometimes. Who you are has profound implications for the way that you interact with the world around you because somehow, someway, we all have to interact every day in multiple ways with the world around us. Do we not? How many of you interact with your social media feed? How many of you interact with the other drivers on the road? You've got to interact with the person that bumps your elbow in, in, you know, on the way to pushing their, their way to the front of the queue at the cafe to get their coffee first before you, right? You've got to interact with your work colleagues when you come in to, through the doors of your work at 8 30 tomorrow morning or whatever time you start work and whether you do or don't greet you, right? You've got to interact with your boss at nine o'clock who yells out from the hallway, Come into my office straight away, I need to see you now. How many of you got that kind of boss? I think my staff have that kind of boss. A few of them have put their hands up. You've got to deal with the HR department that rings your office at like 10.30. and says, hey, your, your, your certificate for this and that, the other is lapsed. You need to get that up to date. Your compliance is, is out of date. You, and, and your, and your <laughs> whatever it is, your first aid certificate is out of date. you got that sorted. Make sure you get that done by the end of the week, right? And then your spouse rings you and says, oh, look, my work's just told me that I've got to go on this work trip. I've, I'm packed my bags. I've got to leave tonight at 5 p.m. Over to you for the kids, Right? And then at 11.30 a.m., your kid's teacher rings you and says, little Johnny has a snotty nose, please take him home because we are like post-COVID now. We don't like people being sick at school, right? All that before your lunchtime. How many of you know that life happens and we all have to react and respond to the stuff of life? But tonight, I don't want to talk about the, you know, the hot water system blowing up or your your kid getting sick. I want to talk about the stuff of life that really knocks you around. You know, the things that happen maybe a few times in your lifetime, and for some people, it's a few times even in a a two, three, four-year period, but the stuff that really knocks you off your feet. I'm talking about when you've invested your last 15, 20 years of your life in maybe a business that you've, you know, you've really put your heart and soul, and in the last couple of years, it's just gone bust. I'm talking about that relationship that you really sewed into and gave so much of yourself into, and after five, six, seven, eight years, it just, just didn't work out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about that beautiful child that you really prayed for, then after a couple of years you conceived and, and there was such a beautiful child and then puberty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Puberty, just like that. I'm talking about seeing your friends and, and your peers have job promotions and, opportunities given to them and seeing great momentum in their lives while you feel stuck. I'm talking about being the last of maybe your, your group of five or six friends to get married and have children and you, you feel like you, you, you've gotten nowhere in the last 10 years. I'm talking about the stuff that really knocks you around. This is what I know, that when life happens, we don't respond out of our personality, we respond out of our identity. When the stuff of life happens to you, I promise you, you won't be, I'm not talking about, you know, the things, the little things, the little niggly things. I'm talking about the the real things that knock you off your feet. You won't be responding out of your personality. I promise you, you're going to be responding out of your identity. Because all of the way that you, you respond and react to external stimuli depends on the way that you see yourself. And when you think of your salvation, I want you to understand that Jesus didn't just die and rise again so you can get to heaven. He died and rose again to awaken in you your right identity. Come on, do you understand that? When Jesus hung on the cross, he died and he rose again to awaken in you your rightful identity. And so when we read passages of Scripture like what we read in John chapter 14, the red, red letters, the words of Jesus or Galatians 4, Paul's uh, words to the church in Galatia, we see these big, vital identity words. He uses words like orphans, you know, adoption, sonship, Child heir. What was Jesus trying to say? Well, Jesus sees a lost humanity or a humanity without God as orphans. He does not see us as not like literally, it's not talking about not having a, a physical or biological mom and dad. He's seeing a people that don't know who they belong to spiritually. That's the lens with which Jesus sees a lost humanity. And the Apostle Paul then goes on to follow through with this revelation and introduces words like adoption and sonship and child of God and so clearly, there is a desire in God's heart to change or, or, or convey us from one identity of being orphans spiritually, not knowing who we belong to, not really knowing who we are, who God created us to be into a place of adoption as sons and daughters. That's God's desire for you. Jesus Himself in the Gospels, when you can think about the Gospels was this unique time in history where divinity became flesh. Jesus Himself, I'm sure divinity in flesh had to navigate identity questions. Do you not, have you, have you, not, have you forgotten that he was, he, he actually came into the world through the, 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 the womb of a pregnant, unmarried teenage girl. Come on. He, he, he kind of had to have his start on this earth, you know, not sitting on a throne, but wrapped in linen in a barn and as an asylum seeker. There would have been lots of identity issues, and the first words that Jesus in man form, son of man form, heard via the voice of the Father was not about mission, was not about talents, was not about gifts, was not about anointing, but it was about identity. Luke chapter 3, at the baptism of the River Jordan, is the first time Jesus hears the voice of the Father. And it says this, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. I believe that today God wants to restore that same revelation to you, son and daughter. When we talk about sonship, it's generic, right? It's for men and women, it's sons and daughters. Before Jesus performed even a single miracle, before He preached a single sermon, before He demonstrated purity in behavior, wisdom in speech, before He did a single thing, before the crowds followed Him, the voice of the Father affirms His Son in human form as a beloved Son. You are God's beloved church. Come on. You are God's beloved. And as soon as it happened here at the River Jordan where he was baptized, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days, 40 nights ago at the River Jordan, he encounters the Heavenly Father. 40 days and 40 nights later in the wilderness, he is fasted. He is hungry. In Luke chapter 4 verse 2, he now confronts Satan himself and it says and in those days he ate nothing and afterward, when they had ended he was hungry verse 3 and the devil said to him if you are the son of god hmm. if there's anything that the enemy wants to sow doubt into every believer's mind is that you are a son or daughter of god but today i'm here to tell you Here, out of this word? We're going to dismantle that orphan mindset, that threat, that accuser that says that you don't belong to God. Come on, are you out there? Because the devil tried to appeal to Jesus's natural questionable parentage and attack his identity. He asked Jesus, if you are the son of God, I don't think you are, but if you are, why don't you prove it? If I could paraphrase what the enemy was trying to say to him, suggest to Jesus at his point of weakness to tempt him, it would have been this, hey, hey, I know you thought you heard your heavenly father affirm your sonship, but come on Jesus you and I know you and I you and I know better than that your mother was a teenage mom we don't even know who your dad is you're nobody's son but if you are the son come on it's time to silence the accuser and to dismantle the orphan mindset because the enemy wants to keep you as a spiritual orphan when through the work of the cross you are already a son or daughter of God So what are we talking about when we talk about this, this orphan thing? What is Jesus on about? I will not leave you as orphans. What is all this about? What does this have anything to do with me? I'm a Christian. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Isn't that enough? Well, I want to ask you today, are you a Christian by confession, but an orphan by mentality? Do you sense the Spirit of God on a Sunday, but you live your life with an orphan spirit on a Monday morning? This was exactly what Paul was trying to deal with in Galatians chapter 4 with this church in Galatia, the Christians in Galatia. If he could say it, if I could paraphrase what he said, what with the text we just read, it's pretty much this, hey, Galatians, you've been adopted into sonship. You're a child of God. You're an heir. Then why am I hearing news of you behaving like you're still an orphan enslaved by the old ways of thinking, right? Some of you might be thinking, well, what, what does it mean to, to live like an orphan or, 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 or have an orphan spirit? Well, some Bible teachers call this way of thinking, this way of living within the Christian context, an orphan spirit. Helen Calder, one Bible teacher, says this, The orphan spirit refers to a spiritual condition in which some Christians profess outwardly to know God as Father, but experience an internal contradiction to that belief. Some of you do going, say that again. What? The orphan spirit essentially is this. In your head, you know that God is your father, but in your heart, you don't know that you're a son or daughter. And you experience and respond to the world around you, not through the lens of being someone who has a heavenly father, who is deeply loved, but you respond to the world around you through the lens of, I'm not so sure. I'm all on my own here. Come on, are you out there? Right? Now, I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking about your earthly situation. I have a great mom and dad. I come from a good family. Thank God for that. But I've identified even in my own life the times and seasons where I've lived with an orphan spirit. And there are some, some signs today that I'm going to go through with you about this orphan spirit that you may not have thought, oh, man, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't resonate with what, what you're teaching here. Well, let me go through some signs of an orphan spirit. That maybe you might go, oh, well, actually, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, I didn't see it that way. Can we go? Th- go th- yeah. This is not a comfortable sermon, but you didn't come to church tonight to be comfortable, did you? You came tonight to grow, to be discipled. Amen. The first sign of an orphan spirit is the sense of independence or isolation. That's a sign of an orphan spirit. It's got nothing to do with having an introverted personality. Come on. So I'm not letting the introverts off the hook at all here. I'm talking about that, that predisposition where you, you just struggle to trust God and connect with God, struggle to trust people and connect with people. And this is where true, healthy, loving, reciprocal, spiritual community feels like hard work to you. feels like really, you can wear a T-shirt that says, love God, love people, but reality, your Christianity is, I just wanna learn about God and avoid people. Do you know what I mean? And you have the mentality that that, that the, the best way to get ahead in life is to hustle and scrap and scrounge and squirrel away plan B and plan C and plan D because if plan A doesn't pull off and no one's got my back. I'm all on my own here. And nothing makes you happier than to feel like you're self-made, that you made it on your own. And because you're an orphan in heart, right, no one can correct you because you see correction as criticism or attack. You, 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 just, you hate the idea of being discipled because you follow no one. You love making up your own ideas about God and about faith. And your worldviews are formed from your own life experiences rather than the Word of God. And then you look for things that resonate with your own dysfunctions. Like, oh, that, that person on YouTube over there likes to criticize the church that way. Yeah, I've always thought about the church like that, you know. And so you resonate because it's the orphan on the inside of you that wants to be independent and isolated. And you read texts in Scripture that give you a visceral response, things like James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other. Ah! Can't deal with it. In fact, your confession sounds like I'm different. You say things like, I don't fit anywhere. I don't belong anywhere. That's just who I am. I don't care what you think. I don't need anyone. I just love being on my own. And the enemy will use those confessions to tempt you to partner with with the orphan spirit. But the adoption into sonship is an adoption into family. How many of you know the kingdom of God and the Bible flips the script completely? You've got to remember that the kingdom of God and the family of God is a complete opposite to the orphan spirit. The Bible tells you you're part of the Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 body. The orphan voice says, I don't need anyone. I don't need you. I'm better off on my own. But sons and daughters say, hey, we need each other. Because we're the, f- the, 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 the son and daughter mentality says, so Deb says, Deb says to Mel, I need you. And Mel, you need me. Come on, are you out there? The, 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 the son and daughter mentality says, oh, I need Dan. And Dan needs Shannon. Come on. And hello, are you out there? And Shannon needs Gareth. And Gareth needs Alex. And, and there, is a, there is an idea that there is a reciprocity. There is a beautiful sense of, without me, you could, You can't flourish at your best, and without you, I can't flourish at my best. No one here is Batman. As a side note, Batman was an orphan. Second sign of an orphan spirit is that you're performance driven. You rise and fall based on your own judgment of how you perform. And if you perform well, you feel like you're accepted by God. And if you're not performing that well, you feel like you're not accepted. And to the orphan spirit, a belief system is created where you are only as good as your last performance. How many of you know that is the basis of all world religions? Do good, you get good things. Do bad, you get bad things. And once the devil has you living that orphan spirited life, all he needs to do is get you on this, all he needs to do to get you on this emotional roller coaster is to play with your performance. One day, he'll leave you alone, let you do well. The next day, he'll really mess you up and see how you go. And then you go from this massive swing of high highs and low lows. This is, the, this is an epidemic even for Christian leaders where we, we gauge our performance based on the size of our connect group or the size of the ministry or the team that we've got or, or whether the last time we prayed for someone, whether they get healed. I want to say this to you today. The performance-driven thing is straight from the pit of hell. It does not belong in the kingdom of God. The enemy sees us and sees the vulnerability of us as we see with the orphan spirit it only has two extremes. It, it, it cycles through pride and shame. When things are going well, show up to connect like a boss. Yeah. Things not going so good, nowhere to be seen for a month. And we swing from pride when we do really well to the next day, shame when we don't do so well. Pride when we conquer this porn thing or this, this addiction thing and then shame when we fall back. We swing from pride to shame, pride to shame and the world doesn't know who's going to turn up at any given point in time. Friend, I want to tell you that is not the son and daughter life. That's an orphan life. You were not created to live the swings and are up in the high highs of pride and down in the low depths of shame. You were not created for that. And if you keep playing that game, you will never have the peace of God reigning and ruling in your life. Parents that are orphaned by mentality end up parenting without any consistency or composure, because one day you're all kisses and hugs and cuddles when your kids are doing good. The next day when they're playing up at the shopping center, you're losing your mind at them because they're making you look bad in public. Getting real now. You can see how the enemy wants to bait you to have an orphan mindset. Come on, are you out there? When your identity is based solely on how you perceive you've performed, it always leads to anxiety, stress, worry, low self-esteem, defeat, disappointment, and here's the thing about this orphan spirit sign of of, of being performance-driven, it often hides itself in things that look good, like perfectionism. You guys are getting real quiet now, come on now. Being a workaholic, or being in control of everything, having your ducks lined up, being super cautious, right? I know if you're hating the sermon, please send your complaint emails to you know where, yksogoodboyhomo.com, okay? Can I say this? This is going to set you free. You are not your performance. You're a son and a daughter. He knew you and loved you from when you were in your mother's womb. He knitted you. Understand that. You are not your performance. Set yourself free in Jesus' name. You're a son and a daughter. The third sign of an orphan spirit is fear and insecurity. There's a pervading sense of fear and insecurity some of the most debilitating seasons of my own life have been when i haven't realized that i've actually carried fear it wasn't like horror or terror but it was just a low grade sense of hesitancy in everything low grade sense of i'm not really indecisiveness is fear because you're afraid of making a decision you're afraid of stepping indecision you just think you're careful, but it's a mask, a masquerade. It's fear, Trojan horse, that orphan spirit, that, that sense of, I don't know if dad's got my back. And then when God speaks to you, there's a prophecy on your life. There's a sense in God, you know, I want to do this, and, and maybe God, God speaks. And, and the orphan on the inside of you says, pipe down, shut up. You can't do it. You don't have the talent. But the son or daughter says, if dad asks me to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step up into all that he's called me to. Come on, are you out there? Right? And so there's that, that sense, deep sense of fear. There are all kinds of fears that spawn from the orphan spirit. Fear of failure is a big one. That was a big one for me. Fear of failure. I remember um, many years ago, I was sitting having lunch with my spiritual dad, my uh, pastor David, and, and uh, our church was only a few years old. And, and I was just sharing with him some things I was struggling with. He was really challenging me to step up. And, and after all the excuses, he said, look, I see this prophetic picture of you, Ken. He said, I see you walking into a room and in the room has all of the amazing things that God has for you, but you're standing by the door with one hand still on the door handle. And I began to break down and cry because I knew exactly what that was. It was the orphan on the inside of me, too afraid to fail if I were to step into all that God had for me. It was that orphan on the inside of me, that, that unadopted son, in my spirit, that really didn't trust that as I stepped into the more in God, that he would be there for me. I feared failure. There's there's the fear of rejection for some of you that, that you, you live this life where you're always trying to project the best part of you and the, the deep fear is if people truly knew who I was, they're not going to love me. They're not going to like me. There's that fear of rejection. Come on, huh? Fear of man. We all heard about that. There's all kinds of fear. Fear of not having enough is also an orphan-minded thing. The, the, the financial insecurity thing. You're stingy. You, you, you steward not out of out of a, a kingdom mindset, but you steward out of great fear that one day you won't have enough. You scrounge, you scrap, and, and all of these fears. See, I want to say this You Paul spoke to his spiritual son Timothy to remind him as to what kind of spirit God gives to sons and daughters. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given to sons and daughters a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. I want to declare to you today that God is going to dismantle the orphan spirit on the inside of you, and many of you are going to leave tonight with a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Fourth sign, is this okay? Fourth sign of an orphan spirit, I'm gonna go there with this, is mistrust of godly authority. Mistrust of godly authority. Hear me with this. God instituted leadership and accountability in all spheres of life, from family to government, from churches to schools to homes. It's really part of God's design. But because of the fallenness of humanity, authority has been corrupted, and the orphan spirit then rides in on that and tells you that you're better off throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Do you know that expression? It tells you that you're better off because godly leadership has got it wrong sometimes You're better off doing it on your own. Get rid of it all. But I want to suggest to you today that godly authority's primary purpose is to serve us by leading us toward a deeper relationship with God and to help us live our lives fulfilling the purposes of God. The mystery is that God entrusts that mission to flawed people. And the orphan spirit has no grace for that because an orphan has no security in anyone higher. And if a human godly authority gets it wrong, and they will sometimes, there isn't a deeper identity in God to hold them in place. I'll explain how this works, right? A sonship person, someone with the sonship revelation says this, I submit to the authority structures God has placed over my life. And if they don't get it right, I trust that my heavenly father will look after me. How many of you are parents here? There wouldn't be very many of you to stand full of us, right? Don't be, don't be ashamed to say that you're a parent if you're a parent. How many of you have kids? Let's put it that way. Yeah, awesome, more owned up there. I'm gonna make a controversial statement and some of you might wanna cancel me after this. Let's go. It is my belief, I believe this with my whole heart, that God's greatest plan for children is to be raised by a mother and a father. I believe that. I believe that God's greatest plan for every child is to be raised by a mother and a father, right? So how many of you are parents here? Yeah, how many of you believe that, that God's greatest plan for your kids is to be raised by your mom and dad? Do you get it perfectly right every time? Well, just because you get it wrong sometimes, do you then go and say, oh, well, because we, we don't get it right every single time, our kids can just raise themselves and figure it out. No, we don't, we'll never say that. We do our best. To raise our kids and trust that God will give us the grace and make up for our shortfall. It's the same thing. You have godly leaders over you that are doing their best. They're not perfect, but God is going to grant them the grace. And when they do get it wrong, God is going to grant you the grace to still grow and flourish. It's God's design and His plan. I used to be such a pain to every leader that led me. I just did. I just made the excuse that it was my personality. I was this rogue maverick guy. You know, I was this dude that knew what I was doing. I was only happy to be, to be led for as long as my leaders didn't challenge me or call me out on anything. And as soon as they called me out on something, bang, I was gone. But what was I doing? I wasn't responding out of my personality. I was responding out of a wrong identity. I was reacting and responding to godly leadership out of my wrong or misplaced Identity and it wasn't until I got this revelation of sonship that I yielded to godly leadership, the godly leaders that God placed over my life, my spiritual growth radically accelerated. I allowed my pastors to shape and disciple and mold and discipline things out of me that were not godly out of my life. And and even now, I still continue to place myself in spaces and places where mentors and leaders can guide me and help me. All I'm saying is this, you live like an orphan and you'll never grow. But live like a son and daughter And there is no limit to the acceleration of growth you'll see in your life. You guys okay? Still love me? Another sign of an orphan spirit is that you compare and compete on everything. Everything's a competition. Everything's a comparison. Everything from who gets married first, you or your best friend. Who gets a promotion first, you or your work colleague. Who is prettier? Who can lift more in the gym? Who is better than this? Who is better than that? Now, there is nothing wrong with having a competitive nature if you're a professional athlete because you get paid to be competitive, right? But how many of you know lots and lots of things in life is not worth competing over? How cool and expensive and beautiful your kitchen bench is is not a basis for comparison. Your weight, your looks, how many Instagram followers you got. Come on, are you out there? Right? How much your husband earns. That's not a basis for comparison. Comparison is off the devil, God did not create you to be in competition and to compare your life with somebody else. That's because someone with an orphan spirit feels empty in losing. That's why they compare. And they can only feel momentary satisfaction when they win, but it never ever satiates that desire on the inside. They can only ever be filled by fully knowing they've been adopted as a son and a daughter. You want to hear the voice of someone with an orphan spirit? Listen to the way that they argue. They can they cannot stand to be wrong. You guys getting real quiet now? Someone with an orphan spirit cannot stand to be wrong because if they were wrong, it'll make them feel like they're lesser. You remember an orphan has no it, it's, there's no familial, spiritual, familial connections beyond themselves. They're in isolation. And so An orphan-spirited person cannot stand to be made to feel wrong in an argument. They have to be right because if they give ground, they're going to feel like they've lost out and they've missed out. But a son or daughter understands they belong in a family, right? So while an orphan says, I need to be right, a son and daughter says, I don't need to be right for as long as we're right. Come on, you guys are getting real quiet now. There's something competitive and comparative about this unadopted part of our soul that tells you that if that person seems to be getting more than you, God loves you less. You're missing out. You're not as worthy. And whenever we, pray, we play that comparison and competitive game, whenever that's present, you can bet your bottom dollar that it always leads to some kind of manipulation, conniving, cunning moves, scheming, scamming. They're all present in the background of this orphan-spirited person because you hate losing, because it makes you feel empty and you constantly live your life singing the 1982 Aussie anthem by moving pictures. What about me? It isn't fair that my friend is right there in the psyche of most people when it comes to the life they see around them. But I want to suggest to you, God wants to dismantle the orphan-minded spirit in the church and begin to remind you again that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Don't live your life in comparison with the next person or in competition with the other person. Who says that you're going to miss out or you're going to lose out? Do you know, son or daughter, that Jesus has already purchased victory for you? You've already won. You've already won. What are you competing over? You've already won. So, she, so what, she gets married first. You've already won. So what, they've got a, they bought a house first. You've already won. So what, they've had a child before you. You've already won. So what, come on. So what, they earn more than you. You've already won. You've already won. So what, it looks like they've got a bigger calling than you. You've already won. You're a son or you're a daughter. So how can we conclude this? I wanna bring this to a landing. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. Romans chapter eight, I love this. Same sort of stuff that he's dealing with. Musicians, you can join me. Romans eight, Paul says now to the church in Rome, he's identifying the same issues he identified to the church in Galatia. He says in Romans eight, verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, rather the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, capital S Himself, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. And catch this, co-heirs with Christ. What? You are an equal standing as Jesus because of what He's done. He's elevated you to be right there with Him if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. I don't know if you picked up on what Paul was trying to say. The role of the Holy Spirit is vital in this, in knowing your identity. You are not going to discover your true identity in Him just by a bald-headed, sweaty Asian guy yelling at you. Tonight, you're going to have the identity of a son or a daughter deeply sealed and embedded in you because the Holy Spirit is gonna testify afresh in you. And so when the enemy tries to tempt you like he did with Jesus after 40 days and 40 nights at his weakest point, if you are a son of God, if, I doubt you are, but if you are, why don't you perform? I doubt you're a daughter. When the enemy comes to suggest to you, oh, you're better off on your own being independent and you're better off on your own being isolated, the Holy Spirit's gonna come to you and and He's gonna say, Mel, 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 mel. I'm testifying to you. I'm testifying to you that you are a daughter of the Most High God. When you're feeling tempted to gauge your life based on your performance, you're swinging up from pride to shame, pride to shame. No one knows who's going to rock up. The Holy Spirit's going to testify. Deb, 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 Deb. You are not your performance. You're a daughter. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. When you're struggling with fears and insecurities, fear of failure, fear of rejection, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and testify. It's gonna testify. It's gonna say, Nadine, 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 you're a daughter. When you feel tempted to keep godly leadership at an arm's length because you've been burned, God's gonna say, Dan, 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 you're a son. You're a son. This is still my best plan for your growth. This is still my best plan for your, for your discipleship. When you feel tempted to compare and your eyes are fixed, family, on what everyone else is doing and how far they've, they've gone. You know, I'm stuck here, but look at them, etc. The Holy Spirit's gonna testify, M, 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 you're a daughter. The Holy Spirit's role is to constantly testify of your adopted status. But sometimes we're so caught up, so overwhelmed. By the loneliness and the pain of the unadopted orphan soul on the inside of us that we don't hear. Tonight there is an open heaven over this place to break that over people's lives once and for all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church Podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.